0: Father God in heaven, we thank you for your presence. Lord, we know that you're omnipresent and you're omniscient, but Lord, when we gather as your children to worship you, Lord, corporately, there's a special presence, Lord, that you come down and you inhabit our praises. And God, we thank you, Lord, that you meet with us. When we come to you, when we worship you, when we get into your word, when we call upon your name, all we have to do is whisper the name Jesus. you're there and we thank you for that lord thank you father and lord we just continue to commit this entire service to you lord speak speak through me lord as i teach and speak to the hearts in here this morning from your word in colossians chapter 4 in jesus name we pray father Amen. amen amen you may have a seat and if you don't have a bible raise your hand paul will bring you a bible Please turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4 this morning. Um, so thankful, man. We get to open up the word of life. The words of eternal life. The blessing of God's word spoken to us through the pages of scripture. How awesome is that? And if you got it on your device, I'm cool with that too. <laughs> But praise the Lord, we're we're, we're breathing air, and we get to hear from the Lord this morning from his word. How awesome is that? Let's let's read Colossians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Colossians chapter 4, verse 1 says, Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up, to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have been also I have been imprisoned that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders making the most of the opportunity let your speech always be with grace and though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person and to that we say amen amen i want to talk to you this morning about the purpose of our words what what is the purpose of our words what what do we allow to come out of our mouths my great-grandmother i'm from augusta georgia and my great-grandmother she chewed tobacco and my grandma and my, my grandfather her son he could not stand it he would fuss at her he would tell her, it's the wrong thing to do. You have no business putting that tobacco in your mouth. He even told her one time, he says, Christian women shouldn't chew tobacco. And he got so frustrated with her, he said, Mama, you are defiling your temple by chewing that tobacco. And to that, my great-grandmother told my grandfather, she quoted to him Matthew 15, 11. She said, it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. And my grandfather, he stormed off and said, well, every time you spit it out, it's coming out. <laughs> but the point is, what, what comes out of our mouth? You know, that's a, it's tough. It's tough to tame the tongue. If you, if you, if you have any doubt about that, I'm not going to, I was thinking about going there, but we'll save it for another Sunday, but you go to James chapter 3. This tongue, man, it can bless, it can curse, it can lift people up. It, it, can, um, it can take people down. But what do we allow to come out of our mouth? Proverbs 15.4 says this. Gentle words are a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. And how many of us know, if, maybe you're like me and you stuck your foot in your mouth and you said things you shouldn't have said. How many understand that truth that, you know, with our words we can build people up or tear them down? Or maybe, unfortunately, some of us have been on the recipient on the, on the receiving end where words have really damaged us. But our, our, our words are powerful. Now, um, dealing with our speech, we're only going to look at six verses this morning, Colossians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Chapter 4, verse 1 really goes with chapter 3. So we're going to pick it up with the theme of what comes out of our mouth when we get to verse 2. But let's go ahead and look at uh, verse 1. Colossians chapter 4, verse 1 says, "'Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness.'" Knowing that you too have a master in heaven. Here, we have an instruction um, to supervisors, to people that, are in, that manage other employees. And you need to understand that the way you manage at your place of work or place of employment is part of your Christian faith. You know, we don't, we don't leave our Christianity at church, we don't leave it at home, but we take our faith in Christ everywhere. We go. And his instructions here, it says, he says, um, uh, the NASB says, do, do, do justice and, and, and be fair. And what he's saying here is to, to be equal, to be equal. We don't show partiality when it, when it comes to work. And that's very important. You know, there are biblical principles for the way we, we carry ourselves. You know, we should be the, our, our goal should be to be the very best employee. There is at our job, so people can see Christ in us, and that comes in how we do our work, but it also comes in how we uh, manage those that are under us. Now, let's look at verses two through six. Verses two through six, Paul's dealing with their, he's dealing with speech. You're going to see this phrase um, in here where it talks about praying and speaking forth. That's the theme of these five verses. So let's take a look at it. Verse two says. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. What's he talking about here? Devote yourselves to prayer. That word devote, it means to persist, to, to continue, that we need to make prayer a part of our life. You know, prayer is not just for Sunday morning. It's not just for mealtime. You can pray when you're going down the road. You can pray on your lunch break. You can pray in the evening. You can pray in the morning. But we need to carve out uh, daily time in our lives to spend time in prayer. You know, morning, afternoon, evening, you need to spend time with your Heavenly Father. You need to spend time with the Lord. A, a, a A prayer life is essential to the Christian walk, spending time with Christ. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said concerning prayer. He says, true prayer is neither a mere, mere mental exercise nor a vo- vocal performance. It is far deeper than that. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of the heaven and earth. How many of you guys know that when we meet with the Lord, when we meet with him, a spiritual transaction takes place? In other words, your heart will be changed when you're spending time in prayer, when you're spending time in the word. I have to. Because in my carnal flesh, I have to force myself, not force myself because I enjoy doing it, but I have to discipline myself to spend time in the Word and to spend time in prayer so that my heart will be changed, so that a transaction takes place. It's not just this dry words going up into the air and meaning nothing, but it's a transformation that takes place when we, call on, when we call on God and we have our prayer closet and we spend time with Him. Prayer is very important. And look what it does. It says, I like like to say, look at what it does. It says, keep the NASB says, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Prayer will keep you alert. It will, prayer will keep you alert to the things that are going on in your family. In this world, in your job. Prayer is so vitally important so vitally important for us that we got to embrace prayer we got to take it on t- take it by the by the reins and we got to spend time in prayer so that our hearts are in line with the lord and we see the things that are going on and we say oh nope that's not right because the bible says so and i spent time in prayer and i know what the lord's word says is i spend time with him it's very important with an attitude of thanksgiving so at the same time that we're spending time in prayer, it's very important in your prayer life that you be thankful. That you be thankful for all his blessings and for everything that he has done for you. Very important. Verse 3. Verse 3. Uh, we're going to spend a lot of time on verse 3. It says, praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned, the greatest use of my words, your words, our speech, our, 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 our oracle skills the, the greatest use of your oracle skills is this, is sharing the gospel. Do you know that? Those, that's the most important words that can roll off of your lips. Is learning to share the gospel and then exercising it. Think about where Paul is when he's writing this letter. Paul's in prison. There's a lot of things Paul could be praying for right now. Lord, I could use a nice meal. Lord, I I would love it if these chains would be taken off my wrist and these guards would leave me alone and they would let me go. Remember, he's in Rome, he's awaiting his trial before Caesar. Lord, I really wish I could get out there and continue to make my way towards Spain. Let's look closely. Let's unpack verse 3 because I believe that um, Paul's in prison. He's not praying for all those things for himself. His focus is the gospel. His focus is not his own needs but what Christ needs. So let's break down verse 3. And what I did is because we have different translations, we're going to have the NASB version up on the screen. And so um, we're going to walk you through verse 3. And I'm going to preach on each section of the verse. So the first part of the verse... There we go. There we go. There's the first part of the verse. Verse 3 says, praying at the same time for us as well. Who is Paul praying for? He says, praying for us. He uses the word, in verse 3 alone, if you look at it closely, he uses the word um, us and we three times. Paul, the apostle Paul, is not alone in this endeavor to serve the Lord. He has 10 friends. Look down at verses 7 through 18. You can count them later, but Tychius. Onesimus, Aristarchus, Mark, Justice, Epaphras, Luke, Demas, Nympha, and Archippus. Which, guess what? I'm gonna be preaching on those guys next week. And I can't wait. I've never heard a sermon preached on a closing benediction of a book. But my question for you, just talk about next week just for a minute, is who do you surround yourselves with? Who do you surround yourself with? We're gonna look at these 10 guys. At verse, in verses 7 through 18 next week, and we're going to look at principles of the type of people we want to surround ourselves with. And then we're going to flip it over, and we're going to look at the principles of these men. Just the, the first one alone, uh, Tychicus, you ever heard of this guy before? Anybody? He's mentioned five times in the New Testament. There's some, there's some stuff we can learn. By him. But anyway, Paul is surrounding, verse 3, Paul is, sur- is praying for his, his, his faithful brothers in Christ. Paul had a support system. Paul's in prison for the gospel, but he's just like you and me. And he needs godly men around him. And if it was a lady needs godly ladies around her, he needs support. And he has it. In this man, so he's praying for them. And you and I need to do the same thing. We need to be praying for our brothers that are around us, your close friends. You need to be praying for them and lifting them up, saying, God, surround me with faithful believers that will encourage me, that will lift me up, that will push me forward, that will hold me accountable. We need that transaction, guys. There's a world out there that wants to beat us down. There's a Satan out there that wants to take you down. And guys, we need each other. And to the ladies, I, guess I would say, y'all need each other. So that's who he's praying for. We got to do the same thing. We got to pray for them. Who, what is Paul praying for? Let's look at part two of the verse. Look at the next line. There we go. That God. That God will open up to us a door. Important principle here. Important, important principle here. What, what door is he, is, he, is he asking to be opened? He's asking for a door to be opened to, to share the gospel. But there's a principle here for each and every one of us this morning in this phrase, in following God's will for our life. And the key phrase is, what door is being opened in your life? What door is God opening up? This is very biblical. I got, we got some verses for you. First Corinthians chapter sixteen, verses eight and nine. Paul says, "But I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective service has here it is has opened to me, and there are many adversaries." Second Corinthians two twelve says, "Now when I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ." and when a door was opened for me and the Lord. Acts 14, 27. When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all the things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith um, to the Gentiles. Do you see the common repetitive phrase in all those verses? That God is opening a door. And I believe that's how God operates today today in the Christian world, in, 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 among, I say the Christian world, he, how he operates in the life of the believer. First, he equips you by his Holy Spirit. He gives you a specific gift to build up and to encourage and to strengthen other believers. And then part two of the door is he, 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 he opens the door. He opens the door. Believers, I would say to you this morning, and many of y'all already are are operating in your gifts but based on this, on this phrase here what door is God opening in your life you know we, we need to have our eyes open you know we pray we seek the Lord and then we move forward in our faith and we need to be opening as we're walking down the hallway of life and saying Lord what door do you have for me what door are you opening up sometimes you'll go to a door and it's locked you can't get in you'll knock or it won't open that's not, that's not an opportunity for you. But then there's other opportunities in ministry where you're going along. God opens up a door, and it just makes it very clear to you, this is where he wants you. It, 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 it comes, I believe it comes this way in our job, in our employment, in our future plans for our family, but it also comes that way in, in our ministry. So we need to be asking the Lord, what, what door, what door are you opening for me? And maybe you don't know that door right now. Maybe you don't see it. Start praying for it. Say, Lord, I see in your word here in uh, verse 3 of chapter 4 of Colossians, 1 Corinthians 16, 8, 2 Corinthians 12, 2.12, Acts 14, 27. What door are you opening? Help me find that door. Help me find what you have for me. So what's the purpose of the door opening in, in, this, in this verse here? Let's look at the third part of the verse. He says, for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ. As I mentioned a while ago, Paul. there's a lot of things Paul could have prayed for. But what was consuming Paul? The gospel. His number one concern was was sharing the gospel and, and, and getting the gospel out to the unbelievers. To see people forgiven of their sins, to see people saved, delivered, and healed. That was his number one goal. Now, there is a place... There is a place in our life for praying for our needs and praying for our cares and praying for the necessities of life, okay? You know, we, we do believe that God provides and he takes care of us, and we need to present to him every little thing that's going on in our life, and we believe that he takes care of us when we pray. But Paul's ultimate aim here in the third part of verse 3 is his, his ultimate aim is not himself. It's not himself. His ultimate aim is the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and getting it out. And we know from church history, this is somewhere, he's in Rome, 60 AD, somewhere in there. He's wanting to evangelize and share the gospel with those. We know that it had a major impact. So other places in the scripture it records that many in Caesar's house, household believed in the gospel. It, he had such an impact there in, sh- in his focus in sharing the gospel that 300 years later, or actually a little less than 300 years later, uh, Christianity would become the official religion of the Roman world. But it all started right here with Paul in Rome. Part four of the verse, he says, for which I have also been imprisoned. Let us not forget that as we study these these prison epistles being where Paul's at Paul is in a dungeon he's he's incarcerated some, some there's some passages where it talks about he's under house they called it house arrest but he he's he's chained he's shackled and he's incarcerated he's falsely accused he's an innocent man he's in chains all for what the gospel he wanted to bring to you the message of forgiveness. He wanted to bring people the message of new life. But man in his sinful state and the authorities that we wanted to suppress that, wanted to stop that. But even in his prison, it was, of the, it was because of this imprisonment that God sovereignly gave him this opportunity to give us the four prison epistles. It was through this This time in prison that that Paul was able to make all these 10 friends that we're going to study next week and to evangelize. Our ultimate aim, folks, in life should always be Christ and to bring him to the world. Yes, God takes care of our needs. He takes care of our family. We pray for our children we lift up our children, and God is sovereign and omniscient. And he takes care of all those things, and he blesses us. Yes, God, God blesses us mightily. He blesses our children. He blesses our finances. He blesses our home. His blessings are on everything when we're in Christ. But we always need to keep in mind that the, the ultimate response to everything that he's given us is us to, to bring people to Christ. And to share the gospel with them. He continues the prayer. Let's continue in verse 4. Verse 4, he says, This is good. This is good. That I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. That I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Family, friends, we have to open our mouths. We, we have to open our mouths. It's not enough to just live the gospel, which is important. It is a witness to God's work in our life. It's very, that's very important. But we have to open our mouth, meaning we have to speak the gospel. We have to communicate it verbally with our lips. St. Francis of Assisi, 12th century monk, uh, he says this. He says, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. I respectfully and lovingly disagree. I respectfully and lovingly disagree. We, we have to use words. We have to use words. It's great when people see our um, faith and our lives, and they see our works, and they see our good deeds. I think that's great. Praise the Lord. And then hopefully they say, hey, Andy, what's that change in your life? What's caused that? And at that point, you get to open your mouth and get to share the gospel with them that Jesus loves them, that Jesus died on the cross for them, that Jesus rose from the grave, that they can repent and believe the gospel and receive the Holy Spirit and start and begin this new life. It has to be communicated either by our voices or then reading Scripture. Romans chapter 10 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. But we have to open, we have to open our mouths. Second, and this right here, Siemens, I believe I have this for the screen Uh, I believe I gave him this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were what? Making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You know, sometimes it can be very, uh, people can get very nervous when it comes to witnessing. And that's just when you got to dig deep with your knees knocking and sweaty palms and say, Lord, help me in this moment. Help me share the love and the truth and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we've got to speak. Verse 5. Verse 5. He says, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. This verse is telling us we've got to be sensitive. We've got to be sensitive to our, to our surroundings. We've got to be alert, as it said a couple verses ago. Who is the Lord leading me to, to, to witness to? Who is listening? Who is watching? And we have to conduct ourselves with wisdom, meaning that um, our life that we're living is reflecting our faith in Christ. And hopefully, that opens up a door, that opens up an opportunity for us to share the gospel. we got to conduct ourselves as believers, especially towards outsiders, especially towards people that don't know the Lord. You know, we can be the bridge. We can be the bridge. We can be the one that connects them to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we have to be very mindful. We've got to be alert. And it says, making the most of the opportunity. Verse 6, our, our final verse this morning He says, let your speech always be with grace, I love this, as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Family, consistency of life, the consistency of our daily walk with the Lord and the consistency of our faith must be followed by the consistency of our speech. You know, in other words, our, our, our words and our mouth have to reflect our faith. The words that come out of your mouth, they will do one or two things. They will either establish your credibility or they will ruin your credibility. You know what I'm saying? I, I, you're around people. You hear the language they use. You hear the words they, they use. And, and in your mind it will cause you to either trust them or not trust them. I'm talking to them or I'm not talking to them. That somebody, I'm going to bank on the words he says or I'm not going to bank on the, on the words he says. People, people listen to us, people listen to you based on the language you use. They do, they do. I'm just, that's just the way it is. And there's, there's, no, there's no place for foul language in the Christian walk. Because sometimes that foul language Will be the thing that cuts off an opportunity for you to share the gospel. They've heard you using some foul language. Oh, that person! And then you start talking about Jesus later on. they will be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Something ain't adding up there." Ephesians four twenty nine says this: it "says Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, <laughs> but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace." To those who hear, we want our words to build people up. Whether we we agree with them or disagree with them or or we're in disputes, we want our words to build people up. How do they build people up? They point them to the Savior, they they seek to encourage them. They seek, uh, as as, as Ephesians 4:20, they seek to edify them. So that, here it is, it points people to the gospel at the end of chapter 4, verse 29 of Ephesians, so that it will give grace to those who hear. He says there, let your speech, that's the words that roll off our tongues, always be with grace. Always be with grace. The ultimate ultimate purpose of our words is is to reflect grace our faith, and to reflect our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but a new believer, that was one of the toughest things to tame. That was one of the most difficult areas to crucify and to correct. Be encouraged. Spend time in prayer. Say, Lord, please help me with my tongue. Help me with my speech. Wash your mind in the word of God. He's giving you tools to help you. And that's what, that's what enables us. And then he says um, in verse 6, it says, let your speech always be with grace. And I love this. He says, as though seasoned with salt. I heard all kind of analogies I was looking at this week. But it says seasoned with salt. What happens when you put salt on French fries? Makes them yummy. Makes them good. Can you imagine McDonald's fries without salt? Oh. but our, the, the salt in our witness the salt in our sharing the gospel it should bring an effect is what, 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 my, my point when we say our speech should be seasoned with salt it should bring an effect as, as we witness to people as we encourage people they see the authenticity of our life they hear the words that we use and when, they, when, and when you do that they'll say you know what I'll listen to Andy because I've seen his, I've heard his words. I've seen his actions and they'll open it up. To be seasoned with salt means this, that means um, our words should be without hypocrisy. It should not be without hypocrisy. Um, you know, the, our, our words should reflect. Our seasoned with salt, our words um, should be profitable, profitable to all people. You know, when we sit down and we talk to Emily and Daniel about things, and sometimes it's some of those tough and hard discussions, our goal is not to tear them down. Despite how difficult the conversation is, our our, our goal in speaking to them is that, it, that it's profitable, that that it that it builds them up, that it corrects them, but at the same time that there's correction, that 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 we bring encouragement. And that we lift them up. It makes things better. This is a tough one. I want to challenge you. Your homework this week is to go home and read James chapter 3. James chapter 3, man. If we don't, if we don't keep this tongue under control, it, 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 it can start forest fires. It can, it can really mess us up. But we want to use it to honor the Lord and to encourage people. You know, and pray for opportunities, Pray for opportunities. Say, Lord, give me an opportunity to encourage someone, to lift them up. Maybe it's a brother and sister in Christ. Maybe it's a neighbor. Pray for opportunities for us to use our voices to glorify God. And then, after you encourage a brother or sister or a family member, pray for an opportunity to share the gospel. And tell them that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. To tell them about this glorious good news that Christ can give them a new life. Amen? So, the focus of the message today is our tongues, our voices. Let's use our voices to glorify God. And maybe you're here this morning and you've said some things you wish you could take back. I know I have. I have said so many things in the past. i I threw it out there in anger. I threw it out. And, and, but there is no rewind button. I wish there was like a little rod and reel. like could reel it back in. You can't do that. Maybe you need to go and apologize and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's encouraging, edifying. When, when, when we have caused damage, when we, had, when we have said things that were inappropriate or wrong, that we go back and we make peace. And we ask for forgiveness. Will you please forgive me? I've learned in 21 years of marriage that that goes a long ways. <laughs> that goes a long ways, especially in, in the marriage. But it, it, but it goes that way in the family. It goes that way with our friends. When a brother comes to me and says, hey, man, I am so sorry. I, I apologize for what I said. You know what I want to do? I just want to grab him and hug him. Because that just melts my heart. That melts our defenses when when, when we apologize, when we ask for forgiveness. It's like instant reconciliation. Man, we're fist pumping, high-fiving, and we're going out the door dancing because we've made reconciliation. Let those be the words that roll off our lips. Let those be the words that we use in our family and our friends. Amen? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for these six verses. Father, help us today. Let the focus in our hearts and minds today, as we've looked into your word, um, help us with our tongue. Help us with our speech. Help us to understand that the ultimate is to honor you with the words that we say and the words that we use. Help us to use this mouthpiece that you've given us to encourage people, edify people, build people up, challenge people, share the gospel, Lord, with people. And just help us to honor you with our words. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. Amen. Now listen, next Sunday I'm preaching on verses 7 through 18. And I'm going to preach on these 10 guys. It's going to be an awesome message. Okay? I've never heard somebody teach on these guys. But I'm going to. Because I think it's important that we understood understand who Paul, who the Apostle Paul surrounded himself with. And I think it'll be important for us to replicate that. Amen?